Good morning. This is the January 20th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we're on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is John, and on today's episode, we're talking about what made the 15th annual Royal Rumble event so special. Now, I know, that's a pretty vague question, and the truth is, there isn't just one answer, because the show was memorable for a handful of reasons. It was 20 years ago, though, so perhaps we should set the stage a bit. It's January of 2002. You've heard me say it before, but I will reiterate. With the purchase of WCW and the folding of ECW the previous year, the WWF roster is an absolute embarrassment of riches. Fun fact, this is the 15th and final WWF Royal Rumble. Of course, that's just a technicality, as the company would officially become the WWE in May of 2002. Also of note is that the 670,000 pay-per-view buys is the most for any Royal Rumble in WWE history, meaning from its first offering as a pay-per-view in 89 until 2014 when the birth of the WWE Network starts to skew pay-per-view numbers in the future. We kick off the show with Spike Dudley and Taz successfully defending the tag titles against former champs Bubba Ray and Devon. Next up, William Regal takes the Intercontinental Championship from Edge with his blessed with the power of the punch gimmick, meaning he used brass knuckles. Trish Stratus beats Jazz to retain her first women's championship she had won at Survivor Series. At this point, she's still developing the skills that will make her the best of her generation, and a win over a tough Jazz here is a nice early step in that journey. Now we come to one of those special moments. Ric Flair returned to WWF in November. You remember, the consortium was him. He's been driving Vince McMahon nuts ever since, and tonight it's led to a street fight between the two. We see Rick enter the building earlier in the evening with his daughter Megan and his young son Reed. You know it's going to be a special night when Rick brings the family along. But even more poignant is the fact that this will be Rick's first WWF in-ring action since his loser leaves WWF match against Mr. Perfect nine years earlier almost to the day on the third ever episode of Raw from the Manhattan Center in 93. Vince McMahon comes into this match at perhaps his physical peak. He's absolutely jacked. And as we would find out in later years from WWE's excellent documentary work, Flair's in a moment where he doubts himself quite a bit. But Ric Flair is Rick by God Flair. So no matter how he feels about himself, we the fans watch him carry Vince to a better match than we had any right to expect. Flair was the babyface in this scenario, but he's still the dirtiest player in the game. So while Vince physically dominates a good portion of the match, a low blow kick and a lead pipe to the head by Flair sets up the figure four that has Vinnie Mac tapping with both hands as he screams for mercy. Chris Jericho beats The Rock to retain the undisputed WWF Championship in the next match. You don't usually hear Jericho or The Rock mentioned when discussing either man's greatest rivalries. And that's absolutely fair because each had an all-time great rivalry with another dance partner. But this is their third match over the world title and each has been a lot of fun. Jericho wins for the third time, not that one of them was clean, but also manages not to leave that bad taste in the fans mouth that sometimes you get from dirty heel finishes. This one sees fellow Canadians Lance Storm and Christian distracting Earl Hebner while Jericho is tapping to the Rock Sharpshooter. Then, after Hebner takes an accidental bump from The Rock, 
Jericho runs Rock into an exposed turnbuckle ring and gets the roll up with his feet on the ropes to retain. Jericho had removed the buckle pad much earlier in the nearly 19 minute match and the psychology was great from start to finish. All that's left is the rumble itself, and this one is enjoyable for a lot of reasons. Like the roster, this rumble is stacked. Things get started with Rikishi, Goldust, Bossman, Bradshaw, Lance Storm, Al Snow, and Billy Gunn. When heel Undertaker in his big evil persona enters at number 8, business starts to pick up. The American badass clears the ring and actually gets a breather as he waits for number 9, Matt Hardy. Taker was having issues with Team Extreme, so what are the odds that Jeff Hardy would be out next, right after his brother? Biker Taker eliminates both the brothers and even manhandles Lita when she interjects herself into the festivities, but he pays a little too much attention to them as they're headed back up the aisle, and that leaves an opening for entrant number 11, Tough Enough One winner Maven, to create one of the most shocking moments in Rumble history. A dropkick to the back of the unsuspecting Taker sends the dead man over the top rope into the floor. Maven has eliminated The Undertaker, and the 16,000 plus in Atlanta's Phillips Arena go wild. He celebrates for a moment, taking in the wave of applause, before it dawns on the rookie that he's made a horrible mistake. Undertaker proceeds to beat the holy hell out of Maven eventually tossing his carcass back into the ring just so the Taker can climb back in and officially eliminate Maven. He then continues to beat Maven up the aisle, into the crowd, onto the concourse where at one point he puts the newcomer's head through a popcorn machine. Suffice to say, Taker was pissed. Back to the ring, as Scotty Tuhati, Christian, DDP, Chuck Palumbo, Godfather, Albert, and Perry Saturn lead us to the next huge pop of the evening as Stone Cold Steve Austin enters at 19. It was during a heel run this past summer that Austin started the what routine. Returning to a babyface role, the crowd is all in on the what chance with almost every offensive move. Austin cleans house and calls back to his 97 rumble run as he checks his watch, or wrist tape, while he waits for Val Venus, then Test, and we're into the final third of the entrance. Triple H enters at 22 and the crowd is buzzing in anticipation. Hurricane and Farouk are just speed bumps as Austin and Triple H take a few seconds away from beating on each other to make those eliminations and get back to one another. Number 25 brings another special moment. Mr. Perfect makes his return to WWF. He was the other half of that Loser Leaves Town match that I mentioned earlier with Flair. And although Perfect won the match, he left later that year as well. He lasts a solid 15 minutes, and the fans are eating up the fact that he still got it. Kurt Angle is out next, followed by Big Show and Kane. Neither Show nor Kane last very long, but last year was Kane's time to shine with his 11 eliminations, so no harm done. Rob Van Dam enters to a huge pop at 29, and Booker T at number 30, both making their Rumble debuts, but neither getting much time. Booker makes the most of his 33 seconds, though. He tosses out RVD, who's still recovering from a pedigree. He then hits a spinner Rooney, and immediately catches a stunner from Austin and sells it by popping back up to his feet and tumbling over the top rope. Vince McMahon should have been taking notes. Your final four is Angle, Perfect, Triple H, and Austin. Austin making his record fifth Final Four appearance. 
Angle dumps Austin as he struggles with Perfect. Perfect gets a huge pop from a Perfect Plex to Angle, but is quickly eliminated by Triple H right after. Angle nearly eliminates Triple H with a backdrop that leaves him dangling, but Hunter recovers to deliver a face buster onto his knee, and that sets Angle up for a simple clothesline to take him over the top and to the floor. The crowd erupts as Triple H has won his first Royal Rumble, which was the longest in history at the time, clocking in at 69 minutes 22 seconds, only to be outdone by 2011's 40-man Rumble and 2018's 50-man Greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. There are years where the Rumble winner leaves you unsatisfied and sometimes even downright pissed. This was not one of those times. Triple H made a triumphant return from the torn quad that took him out of action in May 2001 when he surprised the MSG crowd during the January 7th Raw. I was in the building that night, and I can tell you firsthand that it might be the biggest pop I've ever heard in 40 plus years as a wrestling fan. I hated Triple H during this time of his in-ring career, and even I was caught up in what an awesome moment it was. Him winning the Rumble was 100% the right choice, and the show was great from end to end. And it happened on this day, January 20th, 2002. Well, that's our show for today. If you'd like to continue the conversation about Royal Rumble 02, I encourage you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show, or just search for Daily Wrestling News Show. Either way, click join and we'll let you in to talk about the Royal Rumble or any historical wrestling topic. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show.